Father in heaven, thank you so much that we're able to come and study your word this evening. Lord, we ask for your Holy Spirit. We ask for a blessing that you would enlighten our minds as we read your word, that we might have wisdom to know how to apply it to our lives today. So lead and guide us, O Lord, is our earnest plea and prayer. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as I said earlier, we are continuing our wilderness wanderings. And the title of our study this evening is entitled, The Law and the Covenant. What was the purpose of God to give the law to the Israelites? You know, God, he's about to form a legal agreement between him and between the people that he's brought out of the land of Egypt. They're still just this nation of slaves. There's really not much governance. And so God is trying to order things now. And he's been leading them all the way from Egypt to Mount Sinai. He's been protecting and caring for them as parents would for their children. And now God calls upon Moses as a leader of the Israelites to go up to the mountain to speak to him. And he has a message for them through Moses. Let's go to our first text found in Exodus 19, verses 4 through 6. You have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bear you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. Now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed, and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people. For all the earth is mine, and ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests, and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. So God reminded them of how he had already helped them, how he had been caring for them. And now he's about to ask them if they want to be his people. He says that if you obey my voice and keep my covenant, then he would make them a peculiar treasure above everyone else on the earth. What was their reply? Did they want to be God's people? Did they want to enter into a covenant with him? Let's keep reading Exodus 19 and verse 8. And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord hath spoken, we will do. And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. You know, without hesitation, they made that agreement and entered into a solemn covenant with God. They pledged themselves to him to accept him as their ruler and their God. Let's keep reading though. Exodus 19 and verse 9. And the Lord said unto Moses, Lo, I come unto thee in a thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with thee, and believe thee forever. And Moses told the words of the people unto the Lord. What did God want to do here? God wanted the children of Israel to listen in to his conversation that he's about to have with Moses. Why? His purpose was to magnify and honor Moses in the sight of the whole nation so that they might be careful to stop murmuring against him and blaming Moses for every small problem that would come up. So instruction was given for some important preparation. We read here in Exodus 19 verse 10 and 11, And the Lord said unto Moses, Go unto the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow. Let them wash their clothes and be ready against the third day, for the third day the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people upon Mount Sinai. 
They had to wash themselves. They had to wash their clothes. God would come down on the third day to give them ample time to prepare before he came. They needed even to set up boundaries to make sure they didn't come near the mountain upon which God was coming to, uh, or else whoever touched the mountain would die. It was a serious event. It was a solemn event. But the day finally came. And look at what we read here in verse 16 to 20. And it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount and the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the nether part of the mount and Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. And the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mount quaked greatly. And when the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, Moses spake, and God answered him by a voice. And the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai, on the top of the mount, and the Lord called Moses up to the top of the mount, and Moses went up. So what do we see here? All the people, they get to see the conversation that God has with Moses. It's a grand scene. God comes down onto that mountain. There's what? There's thunder. There's lightning. There's thick cloud. There's smoke. There's fire. There's even a great earthquake. This is probably the first time in the history of the world that we see God speaking publicly to such a large group. Look, he's communicated to man before, but, you know, it was with a small group, with Adam and Eve, with Noah, with uh, Abraham and Jacob. But this is the first time he's coming in such a public manner to a whole nation. Everybody gets to see and hear that communication that Moses has with him. And truly, Moses is magnified in the sight of everybody. But not only that, This is the first time they get to hear their deliverer. You see, God was to them this pillar of cloud, this pillar of fire. There was no speaking except through Moses. But now everyone would hear God speak and would see his awesome majesty and his presence. It's right after this that God actually speaks the Ten Commandments to the children of Israel. He actually doesn't write it down on tables of stone first. You know, we're most, we're most familiar with the tables of stone. But actually, the first time the law is made public to the people is through God speaking to them. Look at this. Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 and 2. And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And right after this, God enters into the Ten Commandments of which we are so familiar with. But God is the one that reminds them that he is the God that brought them out of the house of bondage, out of the bondage of the Egyptians. He was their guardian when the ten plagues were falling on the Egyptians. He was the one that parted the Red Sea for them. He was their deliverer and their guide. And it's the same God who's now speaking this law to them. But even now, uh, but even then, the law was not just a law of justice. It was a principle of love. Moses made sure that they understood this. Look at this in what we read in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 to 6. 
Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. This is Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is the beginning. And what you find actually in Deuteronomy chapter 5 in the previous chapter, Moses had just reiterated the Ten Commandments to them again. So he now reminds them that all that he's saying to them is based upon this principle, this fundamental understanding of love. And we see this in the New Testament as well. Matthew 22, verses 36 to 40. Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. You see, friends, this great principle of love was given to the Israelites in Exodus chapter 20. And this is how God runs his kingdom. The foundation of it is love. The first four commandments, if you love God, you will keep those. The last six commandments, if you love man, you love your neighbor, you will keep those as well. The foundation, the very center of it all is love. It's God. And so God, he comes down and speaks the Ten Commandments to the children of Israel. And we're not going to study into detail the Ten Commandments, but it's certainly worth our time to go back to Exodus 20 and read those first 17 verses. And if you're able to, memorize them. Many people, we, we, we forget the Ten Commandments. We forget about God and, and His law and, and that love somehow is not embedded into our hearts. But that is what God gave it for. You see, we read in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 to 9, this is what God wanted the Israelites to do with the Ten Commandments. And these words, which I command thee this day, shall be in thine heart. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt walk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. Do you see that? So interesting. Moses instructed them, write it here, write it there. It should be between your eyes there. This is a forehead. It'll be in the house. It'll be on the gates of the posts of the house. God wanted them to remember his law through and through. Why? Friends, it was a law of love. And in the New Testament, it hasn't changed as well. Even though we read this about the new covenant, you know, in Hebrews 10, 16, God says, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them. That is what we understand to be the new covenant. But God, He he wants us to do really the same thing that He was instructing the Israelites thousands of years before, to write the law in our hearts and in our minds, between the frontlets of our eyes. That's our forehead. That's our minds. And so it would do us well, friends, if we would memorize those 10 commandments. Exodus 20, verse 1 to 17. I guarantee you, those words, it will shine light. It will create new purposes and desires in our hearts. It will give us this foundation of love. 
And you know, if any of you are having trouble remembering these 10 commandments, usually we remember the first five quite easily. Don't have other gods before me. Don't have idols. Don't take God's name in vain. Remember the Sabbath. Honor your parents. But it's usually these last five that we kind of get mixed up. And I just want to give you a simple pattern before we move on. You see, the last five commandments, the way to remember it is it goes from very bad to not so bad. So it starts off with don't kill. That's very bad. That's the worst. Don't commit adultery. Not as bad as killing. Well, at least, you know, from a governmental perspective, right? And then don't lie. Uh, Pardon me. Don't steal. Don't lie. And then don't covet. It goes from really bad to not so bad. Murder, adultery, stealing, lying, covetousness, right? So look, friends, we got to take the time to remember these 10 commandments that was spoken from Mount Sinai by God himself in the hearing of all the children of Israel. And when he spoke it, it was accompanied with such amazing things that were taking place. Earthquake, fire, smoke. There was, there was lightning and clouds and thick darkness, all these things. Why? God wanted it to be such an amazing event that they might never forget this scene that the law of God would be embedded in their hearts. This event would always be a reminder and a pointer back to how high God regarded his law. God wanted to show them how sacred it was, how important it was to him, and how it ought to be for them as well. But when the Israelites, they saw God, they saw the mountain, they saw the fire, they heard the voice, what was their reaction? What actually happened? after God spoke the Ten Commandments. Exodus 20, verse 18 and 19. And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us, and we will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. What was their reaction? They were afraid. They were so afraid. They're like, Moses, you, you speak to us. If God speaks to us, he's going to kill us. We're so scared, right? But Moses, he comforts them. Exodus 20, verse 20. And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God has come to prove you that his fear may be before your faces that ye sin not. You see, he explained to them that they had nothing to be afraid of, that They were to just keep this experience with God before them in their hearts and in their minds so that they would not sin against him. And so God, after that, he calls Moses up privately now to speak to him privately. Yes, in the presence of everybody, but the people now don't hear that anymore. So Moses, he goes up, look at this, verse 21. And the people stood afar off, and Moses drew near unto the thick darkness where God was. So what was God doing? Why did he call up Moses and to continue to speak to him, to talk to him? Why wasn't just speaking the Ten Commandments enough? Well, let's keep reading. You see, in Exodus 21 verse 1, what does God say to Moses? These are the judgments which thou shalt set before them. So God wasn't done yet, you see. He had given the broad principles of the Ten Commandments already. But now he was going to dive into some specifics on some certain topics that were important to expound upon, to expand, to add beyond just the Ten 
commandments that he had given to them. What sort of topics? Well, Exodus 21 verse 2. If thou buy an Hebrew servant, six years he shall serve, and in the seventh he shall go up free for nothing. So he gave laws concerning servants. And what else? Let's keep reading. Verse uh, Exodus 21 and verse 12. He that smiteth a man so that he die sh- um, shall be surely put to death. So laws concerning violence, what happens when someone kills another person. God is giving all these laws to set up the ju- judicial system, how people would be able to judge others. Let's keep reading. There's a lot of them. Exodus 21, 28. If an ox gore a man or a woman, that they die, then the ox shall be surely stoned, and his flesh shall not be eaten, but the owner of the ox shall be quit. So this was laws concerning animals. What happens if they kill somebody? How should they deal with the situation? More and more laws are given. Look, you have to remember, this is a, a nation of slaves. All they've known is slavery. There's just this big group of people that's just been following Moses around everywhere he goes. There's been no order up to this point. But now God is laying down the judicial system so that he can know how to govern this nation. People will know how to live in this covenant. Let's keep going. Exodus 22 and verse 1. If a man shall steal an ox or a sheep and kill it or sell it, he shall restore five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. So law about the treatment of others' property. Verse 16 of Exodus 22. And if a man entice a maid that is not betrothed and lie with her, he shall surely endow her to be his wife. So laws about um, moral and ceremonial principles, things like the treatment of virgins, not letting witches live and not to lie with an animal and even the treatment of strangers when they came and visited you. Seems like all these miscellaneous laws, but certainly laws concerning how we should live in this nation, right? Exodus 23 verse 1, Thou shalt not raise a false report. Put not thine hand with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness. So God reiterates the law of lying and he expounds on it. You don't be a false witness. And then verse 10 to 11, And six years thou shalt sow thy land, and gather in the fruits thereof. But the seventh year thou shalt let it rest and lie still, that the poor of thy people may eat, and what they leave the beasts of the field shall eat. In like manner thou shalt deal with thy vineyard and with thy olive yard. So laws relation to the the land and the annual feasts and feasts that are further expounded on in the book of Leviticus as well. So look, these laws were specific to the running of a nation, from animals to people, how to treat strangers, um, servants, and even the land that they lived on. And although some of these uh, don't apply specifically today, there are some principles that still should be applied that we would do well to take heed of as well. But you see, God gave all these laws to Moses privately. It was all written down by Moses. And, you know, let's keep reading this, shall we? Exodus 24 and verse 3. And Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments. And all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words which the Lord hath said, we will do. So what happens? Moses, he comes down from Mount Sinai after spending some time with God, and he begins to tell them all the words that God have told them, all the laws. 
and the Israelites responded emphatically, all that the Lord has instructed, we will do it. They said that just at the very beginning of Exodus 19, and now they're saying it here again. But Moses and God, they're not done yet. They had to ratify the covenant. They had to confirm the covenant. You see, God is saying, if you want to enter relationship with me, then this is what you have to do. And then the Israelites said, yes, we agree, we'll do it. But now God is about to confirm the agreement between him as their God and the people. So what does he do? Exodus 24, verses 4 to 6. And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord and rose up early in the morning and builded an altar under the hill and 12 pillars according to the 12 tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the children of Israel which offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen unto the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood, put it in basins, and half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar. You see, an altar would be built wherever there were sacrifices made to offer. And Moses would make all these sacrifices. He would take the blood and he would sprinkle it on the altar. But then after that, what would he do? Let's keep reading. Verse 7. And he took the book of the covenant. So you see, all that God had, all that God had given to him, he'd been writing in a book. This is different to the ten. Uh, commandments that were written on stone, right? He took the book of the covenant and he read in the audience of the people and they said, again, all that the Lord hath said, we will do and be obedient. So Moses, he takes the book, reads it to them again. It's like, are you sure? Are you sure this is what God says? This is his covenant to you. Are you sure you want to enter into this? And they say, yes, we will do it. We will be obedient. And so what does Moses do after that? Notice, this is the book of the covenant. This is the agreement that they're making with God, right? That's why it's called the book of the covenant. But then what does Moses do next? Exodus 24 and verse 8. And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it where? On the people and said, Behold the blood of the covenant which the Lord hath made with you concerning all these words. So finally, Moses, he takes that blood and he sprinkles it on the people. Yes, not the most hygienic thing to do in our days, but this is how they confirm covenants. They didn't have signatures. This is the covenant that God makes with them. And as a result, this covenant between heaven and earth, between God and the Israelites is confirmed. This is the agreement that they make. So it was sprinkled on the altar, There was the book of the covenant. It was read. They said yes. And then Moses would sprinkle that blood. It was like the signature that they were putting to paper. After all this, God would call Moses up and with him the priests and also 70 elders of Israel to further establish the Israelites as a nation. Let's keep reading. Exodus 24, 12 to 13. And the Lord said unto Moses, Come up to me into the mount and be there, and I'll give thee tables of stone and a law and commandments which I have written, and thou mayest teach them. And Moses rose up and his minister Joshua, and Moses went up into the mount of God. And so we see here the beginnings of the nation 
of Israel with God as their leader. This is what we call a theocracy. So theocracy is God is their leader. Not it wasn't Moses. Moses was just simply the 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 connection between God to man. Everything that Moses commanded, it was actually instruction from God. Theocracy. So a monarchy is what we're familiar with. That is kings, and a democracy is um, what we call. Uh, I think it's a republic. Actually, is putting the hands, the 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 power in the hands of the people. But this is a theocracy. Okay, Moses was just the communicator. He was not the leader. So, look, we can see very clearly that the Israelites entered into covenant with God, much so willingly. God did not force them. He did not twist their arm and ask, do you want to or else I'm going to destroy you? No. He bore them up on eagle's wings. He provided for them. He gave them water out of a rock. He gave them food that would rain down every day. He would be their protector. He would watch over them and deliver them and fight for them. He had the very best good for them in his heart and mind. And it was obvious to them as well. That's why they straight away, without hesitation, without second thought, yes, we will go into covenant with God. We will do all that he's asked us to do. And you know, friends, if we would take a step back to assess the whole situation and see the big picture so that we could make a decision whether we wanted God to be our leader or not, I think we would have done the same thing. We would have said exactly the same thing. It would have been foolish for us not to enter into covenant with God. The God that rained down 10 plagues upon Egypt, that opened the Red Sea and delivered them, fed them, provided for them, gave them shelter, gave them food and drink. It would be foolish of them not to. Who in their right mind would say no, right? God had been such a merciful and loving and tender God to them. But yet God still did not force them. He gave them a choice as to whether they wanted to accept it or not. They weren't deceived into signing this covenant as if they didn't know. You know, sometimes we go into all these contract situations on on this earth without reading the fine print. But God, he said it all to Moses and Moses wrote it in a book. It was there for them to read. Moses read it all to them. They were all familiar with it. And he still asked them. And they still what? Entered absolutely willingly into covenant with God not only through his actions from Egypt to Mount Sinai, but even as he spoke his commandments and then gave more clear laws through Moses, they willingly accepted. And from that time forth, God would honor them with his abiding presence. This was his promise, Exodus 29, 45. And I will dwell among the children of Israel and will be their God. He would fight for them. He would be their provider. He would be their protector. He would exalt them from a nation of slaves to be a peculiar treasure on the whole world. They would be exalted far above other nations. His light and truth would shine out to everyone. And you know, friends, God still does the same for us today. He wants us to enter into a covenant with Him. He wants us to be His people. And we're reminded about that at every communion. Do you know that? It says here in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-five. After the same manner also he took the cup. When he had supped, 
saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. The communion is that time, a reminder of how God gave his son to be that covenant and that promise so that we could be his people through the blood of Jesus Christ. And that blood was shed for us 2,000 years ago. He did all his part. He laid down his life and he resurrected. And he asked today still, do you want to be my people? And you know, friends, I think if we look back at our lives, you know, not allowing just a little temporary moment of a situation to get us down, but if we would reflect about the goodness of God, if we would think of 10 major praises in our lives, that we would always and ever be reminded about how a wonderful God we serve, how God loves us so much. And friends, if we would enter into covenant with Him, He would do for us as He wished to do for the children of Israel, to exalt us to be that peculiar treasure to the whole world, to be a blessing to everyone. He will be our provider. He'll be our protector. The King David says he's never seen the righteous begging for bread or wanting in need. And why not taste and see God for yourself today? Why not even just look back about the goodness of God in your own life? I know that if we did, we'll be ready to say, God, yes, I want to enter into covenant with you today. God did not force them. God did not make it a shroud and some sort of gray area like, oh, who's this God? I still don't know him. Why, you know? No, God gave them ample evidence of who he was and how much he loved them. And then he only asked, do you want to follow me? And so God asks you today, do you want to follow me? Do you want to give me a taste, a try, an experiment, a trial, whatever it is? And if you do, you will see how good I am. He's asking that to you and I today. And it is our choice as to whether we want to enter into covenant relation with him. Not just so that we could be saved, but he desires to bless his people even today. He desires to exalt those that love and trust him to be that head and not the tail of this world, to be a blessing to everybody around them. Friends, what's your choice? Why not give him a chance today? Why not give him a try to work in your life and see whether or not he is a good and great and wonderful God? I've made my decision many years ago. I know what God has done for me. But how about you, friends? Why not, if you haven't before, why not give him a try? Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, I want to pray for everybody that is listening. Everybody that maybe is in the valley of decision, they're wondering who you are. Maybe, Lord, they've just forgotten about the blessings that they've received in their lives. So often, Lord, we, it's so easy to focus on, on the negatives, on, on the trials, on the problems of life. And we forget that so many times you're just so good to us. Father, help us never to forget your goodness, your love, your tender mercies toward each and every one of us. And today, Lord, help us to recommit our lives to you. Help us to re-examine our lives, not for the worse, but for the better, to understand how wonderful you've been to us, that we might be ready to enter into a covenant relation with you. Lord, please, 
Guide us to that end. Be with us who are maybe in the valley of decision. Help us, Lord, to place our hearts and our minds and our decisions on the side of right. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, thanks for joining us this evening. May God bless each and every one of you that as we even meditate on the Word of God, as we take time out to think about God's goodness even for today, that we will be reminded how a great and wonderful and loving God we have that watches over us each and every day. May God bless each of you. Happy Sabbath again, and we'll see you next time. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.